This is a recording from a sermon from Light Church in San Diego, California. For more information, please visit lightsandiego.com. Let's do this. Uh, I can almost guarantee you've never heard a Father's Day sermon on this topic ever uh, for a good reason. Uh, because tonight we are talking about fasting. Um, and this morning I was literally laughing to myself. I'm like, I'm an idiot. Like, why would you talk about fasting on the day that you celebrate the grill, right? Like, you celebrate eating burritos and bacon and all of the good things that God has given us that he is called blessed. Um, and so uh, I'm just going to let you know you can start tomorrow, okay? Our fasting starts tomorrow. Um, but we... Uh, but we have been in a series as a church going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we talked about, um, we actually had skipped ahead because of a guest speaker, and we're going, so we're going back to this last section that Jesus lays out these three practices that he assumes his followers do. And these would have been practices that most Jewish people would have participated in, but Jesus is carrying them onto his kingdoms. And these are things that happen in my kingdom. So the first one, he says, when you give. And so a few weeks ago, we talked about giving as a part of our life as a follower of Jesus. And we, a couple weeks ago, we talked about prayer and how prayer needs to become a part of our life as a follower of Jesus. And the last thing he talks about is fasting, which if we can be honest, is maybe the hardest for us to imagine that being a regular part of our life right? Um, just simply put, because we really love food, right? There's, there's something about us that's just like, ah, uh, prayer, like, I can get into prayer and even giving, but fasting. But for the audience that heard these words, uh, this was actually a normal part of their life. For Jews, they always would fast on Tuesdays and Fridays during that time, from sunup to sundown. It's just a part of their regular life. But like with anything that becomes uh, routine, oftentimes it can become ordinary. And oftentimes, not only does it become ordinary, but you, become, you start to have false motives. You start having different sort of things inspiring those acts. And so Jesus is drawing his listeners, his audience, says, number one, when you fast. So that's kind of the big one, right? It's assumed. You, this is something that we should be doing regularly, but we do this, and I love how he kind of ends this. He talks about we do this out of a place of our relationship with our Father, and um, and so let's go ahead and read that scripture uh, together. This is Matthew chapter six, verses sixteen through eighteen. It says, "When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disguise their faces to show that they are fasting." Right? Our context don't. Uh, do a selfie tomorrow saying, fasting selfie. You know, like it's not, you're, it's not what Jesus had in mind. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you, but when you fast, here it, is again, here it is again, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is something between you and your heavenly Father. There is an intimate connection that happens with fasting. Now, fasting, uh, interestingly enough, has become kind of a craze in our nation. If you've been familiar with kind of the keto diet and the kind of talk about ketosis, this idea of, you know, you eat certain things only a few hours a day, and then you spend 16 hours a day not eating. And so it's become kind of this like hip trendy thing to like fast. 
not what Jesus was intending. Uh, because most of, the, most of the time, the fasting we talk about nowadays is for selfish ambition, right? It's because we want to look a certain way when we go to the beach. We want to look a certain way when we go to the gym. And he wants us to look a certain way in front of our Father. And so he draws our attention to this theme that it should be central to our life. That, again, in that day was very common. Not only did the Jews practice it, but actually every major world religion uses fasting as a part of their spiritual practices. But what Jesus and what Scripture points to of why we fast is very unique. And, and to be honest, as I was studying it this week, there's things I learned about fasting I had never attached it to. And there's things that I learned about fasting that are just wrong. And so before we talk about why we fast, let's just take a moment and talk about why not to fast, okay? What are the poor reasons or why are the reasons you should not be fasting? Uh, number one is fasting should not be your diet of choice, okay? This has nothing to do with how you look, and it really doesn't have much to do with even how you feel or the clarity of mind you have as much as how clearly you can hear in your spirit, um, uh, secondly, you should not be fasting if you have certain kind of uh, medical things going on. If you're pregnant, fasting food is not a great idea. Um, or even if you're, if you're nursing, if you have diabetes, you should not be fasting. Um, and one that's not talked about a lot but needs to be addressed is if you have an eating disorder. Um, fasting for you can oftentimes be a trigger. Like, well, God wants me to do this, and it can kind of be a kind of a negative spiral. So I just want to say right here pastorally before we move on, if that's been a part of your past, maybe God's asking you to fast something else and that's okay. You're not disappointing God because you're not fasting food. As a matter of fact, you're probably giving him more delight because you're continuing to engage in health um, rather than a dysfunctional idea of food. But, uh, but for those of us who can and it's a healthy decision, fasting in the Bible rarely has to do with anything but food. Right? Normally, what do we talk about? Like, even in Christian realms, we talk about like a Daniel fast, right? So we can still eat something, still go to soup plantation. Um, or we like fast media or social media. Like, we have these like little cutesy kind of things, like going off social media for seven days, like fasting for the Lord. Um, not that abstinence is bad. Those are really good things. It's not really what Jesus is talking about when he t lays out these principles for fasting and what Scripture, the whole of Scripture is talking about. But the most important thing I really want to lay before you of why not to fast is because you do not fast to earn God's favor. This is huge. Uh, the minute we think fasting is kind of us twisting the divine arm of God, is the minute that God is leaving his role as father and he's becoming a dictator. And that's dangerous. And to be honest, it's where I found myself sometimes when I'm fasting. I find myself in these desperate places. And rather than fasting for biblical reasons, I fast because I think that uh, somehow God will finally listen to me or he owes me now, right? Because I haven't eaten Chick-fil-A in three days or something like that. Like there's, there's this reciprocal relationship and that's transactional when that's really negative to our view of our Heavenly Father. That we actually fast from a place of His delight, from a place of His affirmation, not to earn His delight or affirmation. Does that make sense? Okay, let's, let's work through uh, a few reasons why the Bible tells us to fast, and let's hopefully identify one of these reasons and motivators in our lives, and we can start practicing this tomorrow, um, not today. Let's go through these. Number one, fasting is about discipline and transformation. 
Number two, fasting is about identifying with the poor. The third reason is fasting is about repentance from sin. Fourth, fasting is about clarity and confidence from God. And fifth, fasting is about desperation for God. So let's walk through these five biblical reasons to fast and see where we kind of align ourselves in this. So first one, fasting is about discipline and transformation. So again, the opening line of this text is when you fast, and this is not like a momentary, once a year type thing. This is a normal part of the believer's life. When you do this, this is assumed by Jesus. So as followers of Jesus, this should be assumed. And the, really the first reason why this is supposed to be a disciplined, a rhythmic part of our life, is because this was a rhythmic part of Jesus' life. And one of the quotes we've said a lot throughout the sermon series is by John Mark Comer, a pastor up in Portland. He says this, You cannot expect the life of Jesus unless you practice the lifestyle of Jesus. And there is this element where we want this abundant life Jesus promises, but he didn't just promise it, he showed us how to live it. And so fasting was one of the things Jesus did all the time. We see him abstaining from food. Matter of fact, we'll talk about it in a minute, he's abstained from 40 days of it right before he gave the best sermon of his life. Coincidence? Maybe not. And so there's something in us that happens when we engage in like a practice of fasting versus just a moment of fasting. And this is not just about fasting. This is about life, right? There's things that if you just do regularly, it has way longer effect than if you have a moment of inspiration. Uh, I remember playing basketball growing up as a kid, and I had this brilliant idea when I went to high school that I was going to join the basketball team. And, um, and so I went out to like their summer league, which is like the lowest level of entrance you could get, right? And so in order to like make sure I could get a spot on the team, I went and I did what every single like student athlete does. I bought a pair of Allen Iverson shoes, which were really cool back then. And I went to the park and played ball for like 15 minutes for two weeks straight. Like every day, guys. I didn't miss once. Like I was committed. And so when it came time for trials, I went there and I played my guts out. I worked hard. And they got and had all the, you know, all the kids sit on the cement. They read all the names of who was going to be on the like freshman summer league team. Guys, like you can't get worse than this. And they didn't read my name. And I remember just being devastated. Like I didn't even call my mom to pick me up. I just walked home. Like this uphill, three mile, just like walk, just like forget it. I'm a loser. And I go home, and my sweet dad, he's so compassionate, he's just like, what happened, son? And I'm like, my dad didn't make the basketball team. And he's like, oh, wow. And I'm like, I just don't get it. I practice every single day. He's like, how long do you practice? He's like, two weeks. And he just laughed at me. <laughs> I was like, why are you laughing? He's like, people have been playing basketball their whole lives. Of course you're not going to make the team. And it was this painful, valuable lesson that I need to hear, because I don't know about you, I'm always looking for a moment of inspiration, and I think it's going to bring change in my life, and it's not. Discipline, constant, intentional, rhythmic activity, not just physically, but spiritually, is what brings transformation, and this is what Jesus is trying to get out here. Number two, Fasting is about identifying with the poor. Guys, this is huge. This is one thing. I've, whenever I fasted, I never attached this to this, but this is incredibly biblical that 
And how appropriate, right, for San Diegans to realize there are moments in our week or in our month where we don't eat food. And when that pain sets in of like, gosh, I really would love just to like a cheeseburger right now. I'd really love to just eat some food. You can have this wake up moment that there are millions of people that, right, you don't have that option. And that pain, that physical pain, can lead you to empathy and compassion and hopefully intercession and prayer. This is one of the reasons why God tells us to fast. As a matter of fact, through the prophet Isaiah, he's rebuking his nation who is fasting all the time. And he says, you're, you're fasting the wrong way. And this is what he says in Isaiah 58. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? to loose the chains of injustice and and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Listen, then your light will break forth like the dawn. This is the fast. This is God speaking through his prophet. And he's saying, the fast I like is not you just abstaining from food. The fast I like is when it is attached to this justice and righteousness movement that brings about restoration for those who are in hunger and need, who are in oppression and need freedom. And when we fast in this way, these are moments for us just to realize that, yeah, I chose to skip a meal. There's people who haven't eaten in days, and they have no choice. Like right now, in in northern Africa, there's one of the largest famines the world has ever seen. It's taking place right now. In San Diego, I just met with um, one of the directors for the Community Resource Center a couple blocks away, and she said, did you know that one in five kids in San Diego um, do not know where the next meal is coming from? One in five. In San Diego. Man, how much do we complain when we miss a meal? Like, guilty. Oh my gosh, everyone knows when I haven't eaten. Matter of fact, I haven't had lunch today, just so you guys know. Um, But there's something about when we choose to enter into hunger that can draw us to this place of saying, Lord, I know there are people so much more in pain than me. Would you bring them what they need? Bring them food, bring them help, bring them healing, bring them liberation, whatever they need, Lord Jesus. May this pain lead me into intercession for those who need it more than I. The third reason why we fast is fasting is about repentance from sin. I could read you dozens of illustrations in the Bible when there's someone who has a major fallout or a major failure. The thing that they do oftentimes is fast. Or you've heard sackcloth and ashes. There's these moments where, and and just so you guys know, ashes is a a reminder of death, right? There's death on their head. Sackcloth was reversed goat hair. So if you've ever felt goats, it's not super great. Um, so imagine it flipped over and it's just, it's, and, it, and you don't eat. And it's, this is, it's a physical representation of what's going on in your soul. So there, there may be some of us in this room who have struggled with a certain kind of sin again and again and again. And we're trying to like, why can't I, why can't I rid myself of this? And so I would encourage you, try fasting. Let the pain of you not eating equate to the pain that, sh- that sin should be causing in you. 
right? This thing that should be correlated with. And a matter of fact, King David, after he slept with Bathsheba, got her pregnant and killed her husband, immediately did what? Fasted. And as he's fasting, he wrote one of the most powerful psalms of repentance you could ever read, Psalm 51. Just a portion of it starts out like this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. So here we go. Here's a little uh, assignment for you. If there is an area of sin, if you sin, um, which is all of us, uh, but there's specifically there's something in your life you need freedom from, fast grieve what that sin is doing in you and to others and to God. And let the, and then as you're fasting, can I encourage you, read Psalm 51 again and again and again. And watch what happens. Watch what it does as it kind of puts skin and feeling, right? Uh, playing guitar, I can always tell when I'm playing guitar a lot when I haven't played guitar in a long time. Um, I was a worship pastor for eight, the past 18 months of my life, but as of Easter, I haven't played guitar. And tonight I was playing guitar. You know what I was feeling? Pain. I was like, ah, because I have no calluses. When we fast, what happens is we regain feeling over our soul again. Those things that become calloused and built up over our hearts, all of a sudden aren't there anymore. We get to have freshness over us. And it's like, oh, this is right. And draws us into righteousness. Fourth reason why we fast biblically is fasting is about clarity and confidence from God. If you're, in, if you're in a part of your life where you need some major clarity, you need some confidence, there's a major decision ahead of you, right, with your business or your family, with your finances, there's something that you're like, I just, God, I wish you could just tell me which way to go. Fast. Because when you fast, God shows up and brings clarity directionally. He brings courage to these different areas of your life. Listen to what happens in Acts uh, chapter 13. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Guys, the greatest missionary of all time, they got the clarity to say the Holy Spirit is calling you out during a fast. I mean, what would we open ourselves up to if we just stopped and fasted in our lives and said, Lord, would you talk to us? Bring clarity into the situation or season of my life. Well, listen to what happens with, with Queen Esther, right? She says, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. I love that. I mean, Esther's about to lose her life potentially, and her entire people are about to be a massive genocide. And you know what she does? Calls for fast. And for us, you know what it is? It's just kind of like, it's like a, it's something that's kind of in the back hidden parts of our closet that we're like, oh yeah, I, I, we should fast sometimes. But Jesus is like, this should be normal. This should be a part of your life. It's effective. When you need those moments of clarity or confidence, stop chasing after comfort and start chasing after me. Let your pain lead you to an awareness of what happens. Because that's exactly what happens when you fast, right? You become very aware that you do not have food in your stomach. And the idea is that that awareness of no food should lead your awareness to your need for God. I love what Richard Wagner says 
he reflects on Oswald Chambers, who's just this brilliant sage. And he says, Oswald Chambers once said that fasting means, listen, I love this, concentration. Because when you're fasting, you have a heightened sense of attentiveness. Food or any physical sensation can satisfy, fill you up, and dull your senses and spiritual ears. In contrast, a hungry stomach makes you more aware and alert to what God is trying to say to you. And it, it, just in my own experience, and not that like, I'm a master, like faster kind of, uh, kind of person, but I will say when I fast, I hear from God with a ton of clarity. There's something about a hungry stomach that turns into a hungry soul. You long for the things of God. And the fifth one, and if you've been taking notes, this is it. This is the, the number one reason biblically throughout New, Old Testament and New Testament why the people of God are to fast is for desperation for God. You are desperate for God. Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else will do. The only thing that's going to work is if he shows up. And so much so that you have turned down your most basic needs like food to say, God, you are what I need. And so for us, we might be like, well, that's, yeah, it's easy for you to say. It's easy for Jesus to say. But did you know that before Jesus gave this sermon, right, we just talked about he was in the desert for 40 days doing this. Think about this. This is the Messiah. And right before he enters his three years of ministry, the thing that he does is fast. And not just a three-day fast or a seven-day 40 days. 40 days. He's spending in the wilderness, being led by the Holy Spirit. You know what he's doing? He's desperate for his father. And at the end of the 40 days, you can read this in Matthew chapter 4. It's just a couple pages to your left, right? You can read about at the end of the 40 days, what happens? Who shows up? Satan does, right? And we're like, dude, what a punk move by Satan. Of course you're going to show up when Jesus is at his weakest, right? My friend pointed out to me, he's like, maybe Jesus wasn't at his weakest. Maybe he was at his strongest. Maybe Jesus had just spent 40 days with the Father feasting on his presence. And so when Satan showed up offering the most attractive, sexy temptation you could give to a 30-year-old Jewish male at that time after not eating for 40 days, for him it is, nope, I will feast on the word of God. I will not test God. And, he, and you have no, I mean, Jesus is just like on it, just reciting the word. But it's no coincidence that this is right on the tail end of a 40-day fast. What would happen if God's people looked at Jesus and says, maybe he's onto something here? Now, I've never done a 40-day fast. My friend Justice, who preached here, did. Um, he did a 40-day fast before he launched his church. Um, which is like over a 1,000 people. <laughs> so I didn't. So I'm praying the Lord to show up through my weakness, <laughs> not through my strength. <laughs> but, and he drank juice. He cheated. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I will say that when he, when he told me this, but more than what he did, listen, for Jesus, this was important enough for him to spend his very limited time on planet Earth to make sure it was done to make sure that he would spend time desperate for his 
Father. I love what John Piper says in his book, A Hunger for God. This is brilliant. Listen to this. If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, right? If you're not like, I don't know what it's like to be desperate for God. It is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because, listen to this, you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things and there is no room for the great. Oh man, when I read that, you know why you have no desperation for God? It is not because you are filled with God. It is because you are so filled with the small things of this world that you have no room for the great. Man, let that sink in. And when we fast, we push everything aside. And it, guys, it's, uh, it's awful. I hate it in the flesh. But can I tell you, a few months ago, I started fasting once a week. I kid you not, as much as I make fun of it and as much as I, like, I do dread the physical element of it, can I tell you, I actually look forward to that day every week. Like, it'll be four days away, and I'll literally be like, oh, I can't wait to fast. I crave it. Not because I love not eating. Are you kidding me? I love food more than any of you. <laughs> I, but I love the presence of God more. I love hearing from my Father, being with my Father, and being delighted in His presence so much that it actually makes my favorite meal with my favorite people act pale in comparison to feasting on the Word and the reality of God. And this is why Jesus says, when you fast, do this. When this becomes a part of your normal rhythm in your life, Gary Romeo says it this way, the rewards of fasting ultimately lead to a more intimate and satisfying experience with the God who made me. So let's just talk about some practicals here, okay? So if you're like, okay, maybe I'll fast. Um, let me just go through a few just practical things for you guys, those who are like, okay, I get it. Now, where, where do we go from here? Uh, number one is uh, if, again, if this makes sense for you uh, medically and emotionally, uh, try fasting food. Now, I, there's nothing wrong with fasting, social media, things like that, but I want you to try just drinking water or juice uh, for like sundown to sunup or 24 hours. And, and here's another thing. Start small. Like, don't feel like you have to be all of a sudden be like, all right, tomorrow I'm starting my seven-day fast. You're going to die. Okay, so don't, don't stop it. Okay. But maybe you're like, you know what? On Thursdays, I'm going to not eat lunch. and I'm going to spend that hour praying. Simple, right? Once a week. I'm not going to eat. But here's, and here's the other point, though. If you're fasting without prayer, you're fasting without purpose. Okay? Fasting is to lead you to calling out to God. If you're just avoiding meals, you're dieting congratulations, you're doing what everyone else in the world is doing. But when you fast and you lead you to prayer and conversation and intercession with your Father, this is when it begins to be effective in the world and in our own souls. Um, uh, real practical, don't try fasting water. It's a terrible medical idea unless uh, God has commanded you to do that for a short amount of time. But drink water. Um, if you're going to do a longer fast, work your way up to it. 
Um, don't just all of a sudden put that on your body and make sure you're in a season where you don't have to do a lot of activity during that time. Um, and then lastly is determine the focus of your fast. If you're fasting and at the end of it, you're like, well, I, don't, I didn't get anything out of it, it's probably because you didn't determine beforehand the focus of it. So figure out why are you fasting? Are you fasting to, to connect with the poor? Are you fasting because someone you know uh, desperately needs God or you desperately need God? Are you, are, you, are you fasting because you need to have a rhythm of meeting with Jesus in a more profound way uh, throughout your week? And whatever your direction is, um, I just met with a couple uh, after service, last first service, and they've been, they haven't been able to have children. They're praying for an adoption. And you know, I told them, like, you're going to be part of my fasting this week. And so there's people you can just meet, like, oh, and you're going to log that in. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for them during my time of fasting, and it can be a part of that thing. So um, as, as we close, I was sitting here this morning. I was kind of just like, this is the weirdest Father's Day message ever. Like, why are, why are we talking about fasting? Um, but Jen actually really encouraged me. She's like, no, you should talk about fasting. And I was sitting there this morning. I actually started thinking, what would happen if the fathers in this room started fasting? What would happen? And so I started looking over the things, the biblical reasons to fast. I want to kind of pull these up on the screen here. There's, it says, when a father fasts, if fasting is about discipline and transformation, it helps create consistency. If fasting is about identifying with the poor, it helps create compassion. If fasting is about repentance from sin, it helps create character. And if fasting is about clarity and confidence from God, it helps create courage. And if fasting is about desperation for God, it helps create a compelled follower of Jesus. Let's just think about for a moment, what would happen if our fathers, including myself, was consistent? If I was more compassionate, if I had character, if I had courage, if I was a compelled follower of Jesus... Man, my children, my family, this church would reap the benefit if I engaged in these things and these things started to manifest in my life. How powerful is that? And I, I was sitting there in my moment, and I feel like this, the Lord spoke to me. He's like, this is a perfect Father's Day message. Because men, we need these things in our life. And I believe there's a reason why it's so hard for us to fast because the enemy knows how effective it is. If I can just be honest with you, today was a hard Sunday for me to even get focused. I was kind of running around and running behind and things like that. Same thing, I felt like there was, there was really an, an attempt, and I don't say this often if you've been around here, there, there was an attempt from the enemy to try and derail what God wanted to do tonight. But as kind of, kind of meat and potatoes as his message is, I think that God is really saying, if you do this, this is, again, this isn't about a big wow, inspiration. No, this is about a beautiful, consistent rhythm that the followers of Jesus practice that you will see fruit in the world around you and in your own soul. And so maybe you're like, well, I'm not a dad, so obviously these things still apply. But I will also say, I know that Father's Day oftentimes is a really difficult day, um, because whether you had a good dad or a really poor dad or maybe no dad at all, the common denominator between all your dads is they're all human, which means none of them are perfect, which means every single one of us has a father wound of some 
shape in our soul. And I was reflecting, I'm like, you know what? Not only does fasting create character in us, but it also reveals the Father's character towards us. So let's put up the next screen. So as a child, right? Not as a father anymore, but all of us as children of our heavenly Father, when we fast, it reveals the Father's consistency that He's provided for you again and again and again, right? It reveals the Father's compassion towards you, His mercy that is new every single morning. It reveals the Father's character, right? That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That He does not change, right? It reveals the Father's courageous sacrifice He gave through His Son. And fasting reveals the Father's compelling love for you. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we come on this Father's Day and say, would this be your day? This is your day. God, we need to be fathered by you. Lord, for those of us in this room who are fathers, help us to father our children the way you fathered us. For those of us in this room who have had wounds by our earthly fathers, would you just come and bring mending and healing tonight? And I pray that not just tonight, but in the days and weeks to come as we fast, would you use those moments of fasting as spaces of healing, spaces of you refreshing our soul and reminding us of your goodness, that, Lord, you are truly what we have an appetite for, what we are longing for. Our craving is for you and your presence. And we love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.